0: Good morning, Campbell River Baptist Church, and welcome this morning. We're so excited that you can join us once again for our service this morning. This morning we have uh, Pastor Dwight preaching to us from our Fearless series again about Jonathan and Saul. So excited to hear how God is gonna teach us through that father and son relationship about scarcity and abundance and how we apply that to our lives. If you wanna comment, this morning, we would love to hear from you. We always love hearing from you, but we love it when you engage with us on Sunday morning. It just makes it so much more fun for us to just see how everyone is doing. Um, Yeah, grab your coffee, grab your tea or whatever beverage you want and join us this morning. And stay tuned for uh, announcement about an event that we have coming up next week, Sunday. Uh, Hopefully you enjoy the service and have a great rest of your day.
1: Good morning, Liora here. I want to talk this morning a little bit about worship. One of the things that we've been missing out on is singing together lately. Um, we haven't been able to do that for several months. And that is something that I truly miss, is being able to sing praises to God and to remind my heart what is true about God through song. Fortunately for us, there's many different ways that we can worship God. The Bible talks about worshiping God with our lives, doing all kinds of different things to worship God, to serve those around us, to love one another, to give, to sacrifice. Those are all acts of worship. Another act of worship is reading scripture. And so for you today, I would like to read Psalm 100. As we prepare our hearts to listen to the message, let this soak in and become a part of our act of worship this week. Psalm 100 says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. May God let that sweep into your hearts and just overflow in you, remembering that the Lord is good. Let that swell over you this morning as our act of worship. And don't forget about our Spotify playlist. It's not the same thing, I know, as singing together, but it is one way where we can Fill our hearts with truth about God and send that message to Him as we sing along. So don't forget to go and listen to our Spotify list today as your act of worship.
2: Hey there everyone, my name is Emma and I have a few announcements for you. The first announcement is about our Sunday service. We have a few platforms that we like to play our Sunday service on one of them being Facebook premiere, as well as finding it on our website in Vimeo. But we are adding another platform for you on YouTube. We're gonna be doing a YouTube premiere for those of you that don't have Facebook but would like to engage with us in the comments. So if you are watching this on our website or on Vimeo, make sure you join us on YouTube premiere at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. The second announcement is about the Meet the Pastor event we are having on July 19th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. There's going to be a lot of fun things going on. We're going to have a photo booth. We're going to have some freezes and we're going to have Pastor Dwight and Sandra there for you to meet and get to know. We might even have some little coloring pages for the kids at home to get involved as well. So stay tuned, watch our Facebook, look for that event and let us know if you are coming. This morning, I'd like to highlight some of the seniors in our congregation who may be feeling isolated or not have internet in this time. I know that can be such a hard thing, especially right now with everything being online. So I just wanna encourage you guys that if you know a senior or you know someone that doesn't have internet to reach out to them, maybe welcome them into your home, have a small group, watch the service together in this time. I also want to pray for them pray for Dwight in the upcoming sermon as well as thank you guys so much for the offerings that you've given us. We are so thankful for what you're able to give and it makes us able to do what we're doing right now. We were able to buy a new camera so our service looks amazing and that's all because of you guys and we are so thankful. So I'm just going to pray for us as we head into this sermon and please join me. Uh, God, I just want to thank you for everyone that was able to join us this morning, live, or later this week as they watch this service. Um, And yeah, God, I just pray for those that maybe weren't able to join us because of their internet access or because of their life circumstances. And so, God, I pray that you just um, surround them with the people around them and show them your love regardless. Um, I want to thank you for how you're providing for this church and how you're looking after us even during this uncertain time. And I want to pray for Dwight, that you would just speak right through him in this fearless series and that you would speak to the hearts of us here on the staff as well as everybody at home. I thank you for everything you're doing and everything you continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Now is the time to worship. What's up, Campbell River? Pastor Dwight here again. You know, when we talk about worship, we got to remember that worship is not just music. Worship can be prayer. It can be worship in the Word as we look into God's Word. And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to look into God's Word. But first, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open up to us uh, what you have for us this week. I pray that the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart may be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. We're number five in our fearless series. And I want you to think back to the middle of March this year when things started getting serious about COVID-19. You know, you remember rumors were spreading, things are starting to shut down. Uh, self-isolating and social distancing are becoming regular words that people are using. Also, stockpiling, hoarding are issues. Like, how much toilet paper can you really use? How do you respond to crisis situations? Really, it's probably in one of two ways. Some people, they're going to make a run for it. Bring stuff into their house, stock up their own cupboards, get gas, do all kinds of things, take care of themselves, and not look out for anybody else. Toilet paper, cleaning supplies, canned goods, flour, sugar, it all just disappeared off the shelves in the stores. On the other hand, there's this mentality that says, okay, we need to take this serious, and we'll get our family, we'll get our stuff in order, but there's this community feel because we're all going through the same thing. Hey, we're all in this together. Let's lock arms, let's do this thing together. You know, it's amazing how people... Uh, can respond in radically different ways to the same storm, the same opposition, the same challenge that faces us. COVID-19, or maybe it's even hurricanes on the East Coast every fall, or wildfires in the dry interior of BC, Alberta, California. Uh, I remember back in 1996, the big snow and, and the whole neighborhood got together to help each other. How do we handle it? We're going to look in 1 Samuel this morning. 1 Samuel 13, we see one of the biggest storms that the history of the nation of Israel had to face. It uh, was the Philistines, the enemies, the people down on the Shephelah, the plain. Uh, Israel was up in the mountains, but the people on the plain were starting to move up into the mountains. They wanted to take over the Israelite territory. They hated the Israelites. They hated that nation. They hated their God and they had positioned themselves to attack Israel. We actually read that there were 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and the soldiers were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Now there were a couple of leaders that faced that challenge, but one of of them proved to be fearless. So if you wanna turn to 1 Samuel 15, that's gonna be where we start our reading. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. You're driving your car. The warning light is coming on saying you're low on gas. What do you do? Do you drive another two or three days? Because, you know, you've got five liters still in there. It it can still go. Or do you go and fill up your tank of gas? You you know, after a quarter tank of gas, why risk it? I remember uh, honeymooning along the Oregon coast. That was 43 years ago this weekend. Sandra and I went down to Disneyland, went down to San Diego, and then we were like kind of tired and we wanted to just get home. So we got on the I-5 and we made that run home. We got to Northern California and in those days it was quite barren. Our gas was low and we thought, oh, well, there should be another gas station soon. This is California. What we didn't know was we were entering the desert area and it's like 50 miles between gas stations and all there is is a gas station and a McDonald's every 50 miles. Well, our car finally got there, just going on fumes for the last. You know, fear of running out of gas, that's a a current thing. We always kind of all have probably confronted that. I want to confront the fear of running out today, the fear of not measuring up, the fear of coming up short, really the fear of not enough. All through 1 Samuel, we have this war between Israel and the Philistines and Amalekites. Two leaders uh, pop up with Israel. One is King Saul, and the other is King Saul's son, Prince Jonathan. They respond to this this opposition in two radically different ways. We might ask why. Well, I think Saul lived his life out of a mindset of scarcity. That's the fear of running out, fear that there's never enough. Jonathan on the other hand lived his life out of a mindset of abundance. In his world there was more than enough and he was more than enough. Scarcity is the root, well scarcity is rooted in the fear that there is never enough. How does that play out in our world today? Ah, uh, not enough money. How many of you uh, parents have had this uh, on a school morning? Dad, it's ice cream day. I need a $1.50. Or it's Tuesday. It's book fair day. I need $6. I remember what my mom said to me on some of those occasions. Son, money doesn't grow on trees. And I grew up in a family that reinforced the idea that There's not enough financial resources. Both my parents went through the Depression in the 1930s, and that really stuck with me, and I still struggle with that fear of not enough, fear of not enough financial resources. We can also have a fear of not enough time. You know, a long day of work is put in, and then there's dishes. Oh, and there's the kids' baseball games. we got to pay the bills. Oh, I want to go golfing. There's the church ministry. There's church services. All of this kind of adds up, and there's just not enough hours in the day. There's just not enough. There are other families that struggle with not enough love. Maybe they grew up in a dysfunctional home. Maybe they're in foster care, and uh, you've probably met people that are always looking for love. They're latching on. Some people always seem to be grasping for love, for acceptance, because in their world, there's not enough. That is really our world today. It has a mindset of scarcity. And as I've sometimes used it, it is scarcity. Scarcity, rooted in the fear that there is never enough. Never enough what? Whatever is of value to you. In a world of scarcity, there is a limited supply. There's not enough to go around, whether it is water, oil, energy, land, food, air, freedom. Our newscasts every night are telling us over and over again there is not enough. There's fear of not enough. Let's look at how this plays out in King Saul's life. If you go to 1 Samuel 15, we're going to start reading at verse 3. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. God actually spoke through Samuel, the prophet, to Saul, specifically telling him that the Amalekites, who were particularly evil, needed to be destroyed. Israel was God's punishment upon them. He was pretty clear, get rid of them. Now it is the culture of the ancient world. We don't have time to go into all of the detail of the whys of this. However, God understood that it was the correct thing to do. In 1 Samuel 15, we continue to read a little later on in verses 7 and 9. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, to the east of Egypt. But Saul and the army spared Agag, that was the king of the Amalekites. And he spared the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. Why did Saul do this? Well, I think in Saul's world, there's not enough. When we live out of a mindset of scarcity, when an opportunity presents itself, even if it's kind of questionable, we kind of go in our heads, I don't know if this opportunity is going to come again. I'm going to go ahead and grab it. And that is the fear of the last chance. It says in verse 9, these things they were unwilling to destroy completely but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. In a world of not enough I can't risk letting go. What is it for you that you can't risk letting go of? It's something different for everyone. There was a legend in India about how uh, the poachers used to catch monkeys. They would take a coconut and cut a small hole in it about the size of a monkey's fist, and then they would tie it to a tree. They'd fill it with rice and oil. Monkeys would go around. They would smell the rice and oil and try to get it. They'd stick their hand in and grab the rice, and they wouldn't let go, and they'd be caught and killed. Same, the story is of a little boy that had his hand and fist in a vase, a very priceless Ming vase, and they could not get it out. So finally, they broke this priceless vase. They pulled the boy's hand out. He opens up his fist, and there were two pennies in it. All of that expense, because he could not risk letting go. Sometimes we get prisoners to that which we're holding on to. What can't you risk losing? People's approval? Because in your life, affection is in short supply. There's a lot of dysfunctional relationships where people hold on as tightly as they can because they don't believe that God will give something better. Maybe we hold on to control. We manipulate every circumstance around us. We control everything. We do everything ourselves because we cannot risk letting go. We don't really believe that God is trustworthy. We really don't believe that people in our circle can do a good job and that makes everybody miserable. What's your rice, money? You know, if you make over 40,000 a year, you're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people on the planet. And if you make over 50,000, you're in the top 1%. There's not enough. There's always one more thing that we need. Saul could have had anything he wanted, whenever he wanted. He was the king of Israel. But he had this mindset of scarcity, What you have is irrelevant to what you think you need. The moment that we invite Christ to invade our lives, to forgive us, we become his child and the economics of everything changes. Less becomes more. The greatest are the servants. We need to stop living like Saul and start living like his son, Jonathan. Living out of abundance starts with three simple things. Number one, knowing God as my unlimited supply. Do we really believe that? Not just with our mind, but with our lifestyle. God is my unlimited supply. Number two, we need to know who I am in Christ. Who am I? Who has Christ transformed me into? And number three, knowing what Jesus can do through me. Prince Jonathan was King Saul's firstborn son, and he intimately knows God. He knows exactly who he is and what God created him to do. In the second battle with the Philistine army, there are thousands of soldiers just ready to attack Israel. It's kind of a standoff. King Saul, his dad, is hiding under a pomegranate tree with a small group of personal soldiers, but he's got too much to lose. He's not attacking. He can't risk going into battle for fear that he's going to lose everything. Jonathan gets very tired of watching his dad do nothing. Saul is able-bodied. Saul has an army behind him. Saul has the priesthood behind him. Saul has the political influence, but he's sitting under the pomegranate tree doing nothing. In chapter 14, verse 6, we read that Jonathan is at the pass of Michmash. He he says that he's sick of watching people do nothing in the midst of adversity. And so he and his armor bearer take off, and they kind of hide away. They go to the pass of Michmash. And at Michmash, there's two cliffs, two large cliffs. On the top of one is a Philistine outpost. Jonathan sees it, and he says, you know, I think we should go up there. I think we should, we should get them. So Prince Jonathan and his bodyguard uh, come up with a plan. They said, or Jonathan says to the armor bearer, come on, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. The plan was they would show themselves and if the enemy says, hey, you guys, come on up here, we'll show you something, we'll go up. But if they say, hey, you stay there, we're coming down to you, then we'll know that uh, we need to skedaddle. So they come to the pass, they show themselves, and uh, the, uh, the Philistines say, oh, look at those Hebrews, they're crawling out of their hidey holes. Come on up here, fellas, we'll teach you a lesson. So... Jonathan, his armor bearer, they go up to the top of the hill and check out what happens. Verse 14. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army those in the camp and field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Living Out of abundance, recognizing who God is and what we have in him as a child of God. When you live out of abundance, you can pick risky fights. You've got nothing to lose, you've got everything in God. Every resource God has is yours as his child. What have you got to lose? It might seem to be an unwinnable fight. Let's pick a fight, perhaps God will help. Some of us need to pick fights. Pick risky fights. Maybe financially you need to pick a fight and perhaps God will help. Give instead of hoarding. Be generous because God is a God of abundance. Maybe your marriage is struggling. You need to pick a fight with yourself. Pick a fight for your spouse, not with them. Pray that God will humble you and humble your spouse. Fight for your marriage. Maybe you're of a relationship that's been destroyed, someone has betrayed you. You need to pick a fight. Pray for God's best for that person. Perhaps the ground will shake and God will do what you cannot. Parents, maybe you have a child or children running away from you, running away from God. You need to pick a fight against your spiritual enemy. He wants to keep your child in bondage and miserable. Pray today and tomorrow and every day. Maybe the ground in their life will shake. Picking a fight. Living our lives out of abundance. Knowing who God is and what we have in him. Second thing we need to do is we need to live reckless, selfless lives. We need to live recklessly, selfless lives. In this story that we've read, it's not what we read, but it's what we don't read. Jonathan never did or said anything that benefited himself. He was heir to be the king of Israel. He was the prince. His father was the king. He should have been king of Israel. Yet later when God anointed a teenager named David to be king, Jonathan didn't say, hey, this is my spot. This is my job. This is my land. That's my castle. Those are my cows. He did not say that. He said, David, I'm giving my life to your service. Saul was playing it safe under the pomegranate tree, not attacking. Jonathan goes to risk his life. It's about God, not about himself. In Mark 8, 35 to 36, it's Jesus speaking. He says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Know who you are in Christ. You don't have to live your lives to get something back because you already are and already have everything in Jesus. There's nothing else to gain. We can live out of the abundance of God. So we're gonna pick risky fights. We're gonna live recklessly selfless lives. The story about a little girl named Cindy. She lived in Austin, Texas. Her dad had the greatest job on earth. He was in the family business, and the family business was a donut shop. Her dad made donuts. And Cindy's friends would always fight on Friday nights over who was gonna get to spend the night at Cindy's house because they knew Saturday morning is coming and we're gonna go down to the donut shop. Well, Cindy loved bringing people to the donut shop, especially those who'd never been there before. So Sunday morning would come, they'd look in the display, and they'd say, Cindy, can I have a sprinkly donut? Absolutely, absolutely you can. Well, what about a chocolate-covered one or a jelly-filled? Can I have one of those? And Cindy would say, absolutely, you know what? You can have whatever you want. In fact, you can have as much as you want. Well, the new kid would always say, well, how can you afford that? And her response was always, My daddy makes the donuts. There's more than enough because my daddy makes the donuts. People might say, how could you leave that career to go to that country to tell people about Jesus? Hey, my daddy makes the donuts. And there's really more than enough to go around. Someone might say, you gave money to go start a church in another city? Are you crazy? Hey, my daddy makes the donuts. And in his world, there's more than enough. Money may not grow on trees, but my daddy made the trees. And so I think that's pretty good too. Maybe you're like Sharon in this next video. Somebody betrayed you, they violated you, somebody's gonna ask you, how can you forgive so freely? Your response is pretty simple. My daddy makes the donuts. There's more than enough forgiveness to go around.
4: July 12th, 1996 was um, the day I believe that God started his um, long journey with me uh, using um, an acquaintance that I met in my addiction um, to um, Rob Sharon Browning's house. She drove up on me and um, I was had the contents of her house in the backseat of a car that I acquired. The judge that I went in front of was not a um, he was not a likable judge and uh, he threw a real stiff sentence at me and um, Sharon uh, went to court for me uh, on my behalf the first reaction was the normal reaction to really be um, very angry over the situation very violated um, very insecure we have a handicapped son that uh, his name is Matthew and he was the one even mentally and physically handicapped that he was the one that um, a few days after it happened had said. We need to pray for the bad guys. That was a dagger to the heart, but it was something that I needed to hear. Just before she was sentenced to jail, we were able to uh, take her out for dinner. Um, That was around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. After I got out of um, the drug farm and I went to a halfway house, um, Sharon and Dave bought me a car. You just don't hear about um, redemptive stories like this. I don't. I I read about them, but just... I don't know, I just never thought I would be one of those people. It was totally a risk to be praying for you first and then willing to go into that courtroom, which became a scary thing, to go into that jail. I didn't know if you would be receptive to what we were willing to do and, and willing to be a part of the process God wanted to do in your life, but I didn't know that. Was through the God's um, forgiveness and His grace, was I able to really feel that I was a a worthy person. I minister out on the streets with the prostitutes, uh, the drug addicts. Um, God uses me where normal people can't go. The the various risks that were taken, worth every bit of it. I just want to be a simple person and um, let God use me, since it's not about me anymore. It never really was, but I thought it was.
3: It's not about me anymore. It never really was, but I thought it was. An interesting statement. When we begin to live Kingdom lives knowing who God is and who we are in Him, not only will we be changed, but the world around us will be changed. Experiencing the life that Christ died to give you gives an overwhelming abundance of what He has done for you. Sometimes we hold on to things so tight that we're kind of imprisoned to them. Maybe a relationship, the next big thing, a burden, control, we hold onto them so tight that we're actually imprisoned by it. What's hindering you from experiencing the rich abundance of living free, knowing who you are and what God has created you to do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on our behalf. And Jesus, I thank you for your words that say you came that we might have life, and have it abundantly. Father, you have the power to do what we can't. You have the power to set us free. I pray you would give us the courage to make choices today and tomorrow and the next day, to walk away and to literally release those areas where we just can't let go, those relationships, those material things. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us today. We are uh, pleased to be able to continue to do this during our COVID time. I want to leave you with a benediction as you go out into your week. It comes from Philippians and the Apostle Paul is writing and he says, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Our God and Father abounds in glory that just pours out into eternity.